Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Is there anyone who can make just absolutely vicious arguments like this one funnier than my guest on today's show? What's funny? Now it's to lullaby music. It's... Sorry. <laughs> Do you want me to put on some Motorhead? I mean, tell, tell me what you want me to put on, because I'd like to have sex with you. Me too. I just, can we do it in the morning? <sighs> What's the matter? Nothing. No, you know what? Sexual rain checks are abusive. What? What? baby to sleep. It's not healthy the way that you are with her now. You know what you remind me of? The way that you hold her? The way that you gaze at her? Gollum. From Lord of the Rings, Andy Smeagol, the weird CGI man thing. Yeah, I know who Gollum is. Good, because that's what I see when I look at you now. Because? Because of the way you're all hunched over her, like, don't touch my precious. Stay away from my precious. Well, you know, um, first off, I thought you were comparing me to Gollum because of my sunken eyes, so now I don't even care. And secondly, look at you. You're shouting at your family with a massive boner. Are you proud of yourself? I'm not shouting. Why are you still hard? This is The Last Laugh. I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast, and that was Sharon Horgan with Rob Delaney in one of the many scenes from their brilliant show, Catastrophe, that still makes me laugh every time I see it. Sharon has become one of the most prolific comedy writers around in recent years, creating shows like Divorce, Motherland, Shining Vale, and now one of the best things I've seen so far this year, the new Apple TV Plus series, Bad Sisters. The show, which premiered last Friday, is both a super dark comedy and also a sort of mystery thriller that manages to be just as funny as Sharon's previous work, while also adding a suspenseful element that makes it addictively bingeable. Sharon and I talked all about how Bad Sisters is a bit of a departure for her creatively, after years of writing smaller and more intimate shows about relationships and raising children. And she reveals a few details about the even more personal show she wants to make next. And of course, because it will always be one of my favorite shows, we do get into the origins of Catastrophe and whether she would ever consider returning to those characters in the future. Sharon is so busy that she was literally on the go in the back of a car for the first part of this conversation, but I think we still managed to have a pretty great talk. All right, let's get into it now. Here's me with Sharon Horgan. You had your London premiere last night? Yeah. How did that go? Went really well. <laughs> Went really well. People really responded. You know, they're nerve-wracking things because you spend two and a half years working on something and then anything that sort of culminates in, in one big night feels a bit, you know, overwhelming. But um, really nice response from the audience. And we'd had our premiere in New, New York um, the week before and it was lovely, but more bijou. And so this was a, this was at the BFI 
British Film Institute on the South Bank and it was just, it was beautiful and really nice crowd and yeah, it seems to work. Yeah. Um, well, we're talking, you know, the day that the show premieres on Apple TV Plus, um, when people are hearing this, they will have already gotten a chance to watch the first two episodes. Um, so hopefully we can not worry too much about spoiling those at least. Um, but yeah, I have to tell you, I mean, I have now watched the entire, um, you know, 10 episodes because uh, I was able to get the screeners and it's incredible. It's it's such a good show. It's so compelling. It's so addictive. And I just loved it. Um, so yeah, congrats on that. And it's really unlike anything that you've done before. And I've seen so much of your other work. Um, so yeah, how did this how did this happen that you that you ended up making something that really feels different than anything you've done before, but also has, you know, your special sauce in there as well? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, Catastrophe, we finished our fourth season and you know, I was sort of gearing up to do, you know, um, sort of the next stage of, like you said, the kind of thing that, that I normally write about, which is family and relationships in half hour sitcom form. And, uh, and, you know, I don't know, I feel like I was interested in writing about this stage of my life because, you know, it's proving to be interesting, but, um, as it turns out, you need a bit of um, space and time before you can turn something like that into into comedy. So I was, um, you know, I was figuring it out. And Jay Hunt, who's, you know, the creative director of um, Apple Europe, she had been at Channel 4 when I made Catastrophe, so she took me for lunch and said, what do you want to do? And I, you know, wasn't sure. And she said, well, I think you should do this. And she had managed to wrestle the rights to this amazing Flemish show called Clan. And I was not in the market for ad- adapting anything. I'd sort of been offered stuff like that over the years, whether it's you know, books or turning Italian series into UK shows or Israeli series. And it never really appealed to me. And, um, and it also, it was an hour which I hadn't done before and it, you know, a thriller, which I certainly hadn't done before. And, um, but I watched the first episode and I was just kind of in, I watched one episode and I emailed her and I went, yeah, I like it, you know? And, uh, and I think I just could sort of see it, you know, I could see it. it the, the Flemish version is very different. It's, uh, quite heightened Chinese mafia, um, hit men, you know, it, it's, it's the premises there and the five sisters are there, but it, it's sort of, she, went a different route with it and uh and i felt like even though it's you know the premise is inherently funny i thought you know i could find a way to really ground this and really make it as real as possible so i i just thought I, I can do my thing i'll do it within this genre and you know i do think that it's not maybe a good idea to repeat yourself all the time i mean i i know how to do the half hour sitcom now and and i love it but you know the great thing about shining veil with that is you know i'd never done horror before and it's nice to take yourself out of your comfort zone. It's scary because you never know what people are going to say. Like, get back into your comfort zone. Put himself up for the promotion today, my promotion. Just doing it to mess with my head. But I've been thinking about that talk we had a while back. What talk? Christmas. The 41st. Yeah, I was pissed, BB. You're going to have to remind me. Right, look it out for Grace. All oh, right, yeah. And killing John Paul. <laughs> What? It's all I think about. Then I loop my head. What are you talking about, BB? We were joking. Well, I wasn't. Well, I was. 
Eva, you said so yourself. He's sucking the life out of her. He's slowly killing her. I'm hungry, and you bit hungry. Eva, we, we can't just sit back and do nothing while he drags her under. Yeah, I mean, I think what helps is that it's so funny on top of being, you know, so um, this sort of propulsive, uh, you know, cliffhangers at the end of episodes and, and all of that. But it's it's so funny on top of it. Was the original funny like that? Or was that really something that you brought more of oh, to there it? Was, there, there, was, there was actually plenty of funny in it. it in a different way. You know, it was it was for sure broader. Um, I kind of like the comedy to come from the the characters rather than the, you know, I mean, obviously there, there, there's situations within it that are, are, you know, even daft at times, but, um, yeah, it was just, it was just different. You know, I mean, I, I love, not that I was super au fait with Flemish TV, but, you know, in general, that area of the world, like Scandinavia, they predict them sort of, uh, really interesting TV, you know, really interesting, um, approach to characters and, they seem to be less cautious than, you know, US TV makers and sometimes UK TV makers. You know, they, they don't sort of worry too much about being... Um, likeability. <laughs> likeability, you know, they've got to be good at their job and, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I'm um, sure you've, you've had a lot of those notes over the years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, plenty. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, you've written a lot of very flawed characters, um, I would say, but I don't think you've ever written a, a true villain like john paul in this show yeah. um, no, I haven't. um no. he is an, an unbelievable character i mean one of the most you know sort of infuriating people i've ever seen on television and i'm yeah, sure a lot of people will think that as well i um, mean it, it, it was the reaction last night was it was quite amazing hearing it in a you know in a big setting like that because there was he does something vile and it get it's almost like pantomime villain but it's not <laughs> yeah. you know because groans because, and yeah. All of that, like, oh, oh, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, when he calls her mommy for the first time. Oh, my God, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I haven't done that before. But it was, um, and it was really good fun because you can really have them say the absolute vilest things. But, like, when you think about monsters in TV, when they're, when they're sort of um, peripheral characters, you can just make them quite just evil but when they are main characters or villains you have to give them layers and you have to get to know them and they have to have a history and and all of that you need to you know make sure that you're not just seeing the same thing played out you know like um lillian soprano lillian or have i got that wrong tony soprano's mother yeah, you know, livia livia yeah just evil to the core but you couldn't watch that as a main character do you know what i mean you, and, then, and then you have a sort of Cersei Lannister or something like that, who, of course, she's a monster, but there's layers and you understand and she's a good mother and, you know, you know the history with her father. And, and so, like, with, with, um, with um, JP, with the prick, we just had to make sure there was enough going on to keep it intriguing and actually to make him scarier in a way. He's not a great man, you know, and he knows that, but he wants to be, you know, and that's, um, again something kind of that that can can turn someone into a monster if they're if they're not made of sterner stuff what are you doing we're going to the 40 foot we'll be back as quick as we can you had a glass of champagne you can't drive i'm grand really no 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 you can't drive you had a large are you kidding me no i'm not there'll be guys on every corner come on now think well maybe you can drive of course i can i have a glass myself i've not missed a swim since i was little i'll be perfectly fine Make a scene on Christmas Day. Hmm? 
I'm not having Bronis in a rough sea with her mother drunk. Absolutely not. So, so sorry, sweetheart. I just worried. Yeah, I mean, you, you have to come up with so many horrible things for him to do and say, which, as you said, was, was a fun challenge. Um, is there anything that you, uh, that you kind of rejected for being too awful? Like, well, if we make him do this, then it'll be <laughs> beyond? Well, not really, but we did sort of um, balance what came when. Because something like this would just basically 10 episodes of people trying to kill him. You, you need to keep an audience on board for that. And they, you really have to keep them behind the sisters, you know? Um, really, you have to want to see him on screen. You know, you don't want to create someone who's so hateable that you, they're just, you know, uh, repugnant to watch. So we made sure that his behavior um developed and 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 got uglier and you know in 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 intensifies so that you continue to you want you still want them to to get him you know as it as it goes on you still hope they win that's the that's the challenge right because yeah they you he has to be that awful for you to be on the side of the sisters and really feel like them wanting to kill him is justified yeah exactly yeah um I know that you, you know, as you said, you, you've taken a lot of things from your own life in your in your work, um, but this is a little bit of a departure. Um, you do have, uh, you do come from a family of, of five siblings, um, so there, there's that. But are there other things that you were taking from your own life and experience and putting into this show in different ways? Um, well, you know, the, the 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 big family thing is a big part of it because I know what it and I would like to, you know, get that chemistry to be in that sort of instant party instant sort of tribe of people who would do anything for each other you know i mean i hope i'll never have to kill for my my brothers and sisters but i would mm -hmm. yeah if I <laughs> but um no i mean apart from that I, you know i'm lucky enough to have never been in um a terrible um relationship like that but i've seen it around me you know i've seen i've seen friends in that situation i've seen someone sort of ground down to, to nothing because they don't know how to get out from it and you know all of that all of that um helps but it's more sort of peripheral to my life than actually my life thank god yeah there's no one in your own family that you wish you could get rid of not yet <laughs> My mum and dad are here in the car with me, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and they're relieved to hear that, that the answer is no. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just, as I said, the show is so good, and you have this incredible cast across the board. Um, you know, uh, I think especially uh, Eve Houston was a real surprise for me, because I had seen her do drama um, on something like The Nick, but she's so funny, um, and I hadn't seen that side of her before, so that was a, that was a real revelation as well. Can you? She knew she was funny as well, you know. She just wasn't getting those uh, parts. And uh, um, so it was absolutely, you know, something she really wanted to do. And she she auditioned for it, actually. And I, like, immediately fell in love with her. And not just fell in love with her. I was like, well, that's Becca. And that's so clearly Becca. But you have a big team of people involved. And they want to see more. Or they wanted to see, you know, the chemistry with, you know, me and her or whatever it was. And uh, But... Um, I absolutely knew, but when you keep someone hanging on, other offers come their way and this, I think she was offered this big, big old Marvel movie. So it was, it was sort of <laughs> bad sisters versus, you know, some mega, mega thing. So I ended up writing her this little love letter. I was scared. I was scared I was going to lose her. And she, so she turned said, down the big you movie. Know, 
whatever you choose. She did, yeah, yeah. Wow. She was. That's she a, sent me one back. She sent this big sort of. I know. Sent a big love letter and uh, and explained why she had to do it. <laughs> and 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 she wrote back and said, um, if you know, the the very thought of anyone else playing Becca um, would kill me. So you know, I'm on board. Um, so that was great. We had our whole family then, um, and and it all, yeah, it all just came together. Yeah. I mean, you've obviously, you've made so many shows at this time. You're, you're so prolific. Um, you know, what, what drives you, do you, do you think to, to keep creating a show after show like this? Um, I don't really, um, I don't really know. I think, I think I, I love what I do. I feel like I, I suppose I am a bit of an ideas person, you know, I, I like coming up with ideas and that I don't always, feel like though they're, they're all ideas that I necessarily want to or feel I'm right to 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 write you know like Shining Veil I'm crazy about the idea but I knew it wasn't a show that I should write you know so it's about finding the right collaborator and that was Jeff Astroff and you know I've, I've created other shows that that I've sort of passed on to people who I feel like would carry them you know or show run them better than me or or just are more suited and I um I don't know. It's uh it's different in the UK, you know. You you can make um a six half hours and it doesn't completely consume your life. Yeah. Something like I, that I love those six good. half hour uh, seasons. I know they're great. They're great. And you know, when when it comes to something like Bad Sisters, that was that genuinely took over my life for two and a half years. So, you know, I could sort of through my production company through Merriman you know, produce other things and exact other things. And, but I couldn't really write anything else that would have been insane. And I, um, I just love what I do and I love helping, um, people sort of get shows picked up. Like it's very, very exciting to me to work with a creator and, and be able to sell their show and be able to sort of vouch for them and say, you know, I'll, exact this so therefore you know you're in safe hands we know what we're doing but this person is a you know a, a you know a really talented new person that you should take a chance on and it's um it's just very very satisfying and you know i don't have any other hobbies so all i do is <laughs> all you do I, is make all tv I, all i do is make tv and film and hang out with my daughters it's literally it and um so yeah, I I find a great joy in it. Like I open up my laptop and I'm in another world, you know, immediately. And, you know, a lot of people go on holiday and, and read a book and, and I do that too. And I'm trying to do more of it. But sometimes I, I just want to open up my laptop and and create two people talking. Like it's it's a, it's a joy, you know. Coming up, Sharon looks back at the very beginnings of Catastrophe, from meeting her co-creator and co-star Rob Delaney on Twitter to her final dinner with Carrie Fisher. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. If you're enjoying this episode and want to hear more, please make sure you are following The Last Laugh wherever you get your podcasts. By subscribing to The Last Laugh, you can listen to my conversations with other TV showrunners like Bill Hader, Pamela Adlon, and Stephen Merchant, along with everything else from our free archive. And you'll be the first to hear new episodes when they drop every Tuesday. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know how much you love the show and who you want to hear next. Now, back to Sharon Horgan. Catastrophe, you mentioned, and is one of my all-time favorite shows and and favorite things that that you've done. Um, And that was really, I think, your first international breakthrough in a way, because it was a collaboration with with Rob Delaney, who's American, um, and really broke through um, over here as well. it it came after some you know false starts for you in in terms of bringing your work to to the United States right you had a a, a pilot with David Spade I believe you, you tried to adapt uh, your first show Pulling to to American TV what was it about Catastrophe do you th- do you think that it worked in a way that those projects you know couldn't I've got a good answer so hold on one second Amer um don't go yet though well you know why <laughs> <laughs> I made three attempts at pulling actually by the way two of them are really good so i'm i'm still devastated that and i actually would still at some point love that to happen bad management with david spade um i absolutely loved i mean he's still one of my favorites he cracks me up um but um i i just you know what happened i and i made other pilots you know we we did a series called dead boss and i did a pilot of that. Um, I did a pilot with Janet Elfman called Bad Mom, which kind of sort of ended up being Motherland. <laughs> yeah. um, I just think at that point, I wasn't as good at saying no. And I think um, things sort of ended up sort of, you know, um, changing a bit from the original idea. And I think they, you know, oftentimes didn't end up as good as they as they could have. Um I think with pulling, it was just wrong, wrong place, right time, wrong place. You know, um, we made an absolutely beautiful um, pilot of that with incredible um, cast and talent attached. And it was kind of at a stage where when things didn't get picked up at a, a network, you didn't go, oh, okay, I'll take to Netflix. It hadn't, it yeah. wasn't at that. Yeah, that didn't place. exist. So, so just suddenly it was dead. And, you know, um, and then suddenly sometimes you're just um, at the hands of a, uh, you know, changes in personnel, you know, people leave and you, who really championed it. And then suddenly you're an orphan and there's always reasons, but I always feel like for each of those, um, shows apart from the pulling ones, but the ones that I was in, for example, I kind of feel like they probably weren't as good as they could be. And it's probably good that they didn't get picked up, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but then of course, catastrophe did happen, um, yeah, and that is just yeah. As I said, it's it's such a great show. Um, and 
you know, very famously, you, you met Rob Delaney on Twitter yeah. um, and that whole story. It occurred to me that Twitter must have been a, a very a much simpler place uh, when you two were, were meeting on Twitter than it is. Oh, it was now, a really right? nice place. <laughs> it was a really creative, nice, fun place. And it was all about, you know, you know, laughing at um, brilliant um, one-liners, you know, um, from from brilliant people who a lot of them weren't even working in TV and sort of got their breaks. And so many people um, found their voice there, connected with people creatively. You know, um, it's how I connected with um, Catelyn Moran and, you know, we're working on something together. And it's uh, it was just an incredibly creative, connected place connective place and mm-hmm. uh and now it's just a hellhole and i don't go on it anymore <laughs> yeah i noticed you haven't tweeted in about a year and a half or something well it, it's i think it's probably more like five years but maybe maybe about a year and a half ago i couldn't help myself and just like tweeted one thing um what was it about working with rob that was so special what did you each bring to the the writing process that that helped you know make that we show were, we were just like you know two sides of the same coin same coin you know we we had exactly the same exactly the same um ideas we we had exactly the same sort of manifesto um the same um taste and tone and sensibility just he had you know um his sort of version of of this voice and i had the you know um the the other sort of um I don't know. I don't know how to explain it really because we 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 kind of have never written so easily with with anyone. It just sort of uh, it just sort of worked without with, without any effort. It seemed like effortless. Um, he had this genius for you know. Sometimes he could write fully formed scenes. It would just come out of his mouth, and I'd be just literally taking it down and. And and sometimes I'd, you know, build a whole series narrative and then, you know, an afternoon, there was just something about the idea and the characters and me and him together where it it just worked. What he lacked, I had, and what I lacked, he had. And, you know, it's just, uh, just worked. Yeah. I mean, what I love about the show, or one of the things I love about it is that you can be so awful to each other, but even within those arguments are making each other laugh. And that feels very true to life in a way that, that I hadn't seen before. And really, and it doesn't happen a lot on TV. 7.15. Oh, I love it when they sleep in. Why do you think we don't check and see if Miranda's alive anymore? Because the very act of doing that could wake her up, and that's worse than her being dead. (laughs) (laughs) Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. It's such a pathetic anniversary, though, isn't it? Three years? Like, that's nothing to be proud of. I'm proud of it. I'm more proud of us than I am of the kids. Uh. What? No, I'm serious. What's to be proud of there? I mean, who doesn't want to take care of their kids? You'd have to be a monster to not want to do that. But this, maintaining this, this is the slog. <laughs> Thanks, lover. Mm-hmm. Do you ever think about cheating on me now? Mm-hmm. But you haven't ever cheated on me. No. Why not? Why haven't I cheated on you? Because loads of reasons. I mean, the biggest is you've been pregnant so much, so not fucking some prostitute is the least I can do when you've been carting around our babies in your body. <laughs> Why does it have to be a prostitute? Because if you think I'm going to put time, money, and effort into maybe getting into some woman's pants, you're crazy. 
If I ever do cheat on you, it's going to be a cash transaction with a guaranteed ejaculation, after which she immediately leaves so I can ponder suicide because of how guilty I feel. Aww. That's so sweet. Was that something that you really thought about in terms of that relationship of of capturing that dynamic? Oh, God, yeah. You know, um, it really, we really cared that they were um, a very true and real couple and and but a couple that whose relationship you just wanted to be around you know so we kind of we knew that was through laughter we knew that they would always make each other laugh and even when they were at their worst we knew you you could dissipate that sort of violent uh hate with uh you know um the, the right sort of uh the right sort of funny and uh yeah we wanted more than anything just for people to see a real relationship and and you know get something from it you know relate to it but actually more than that we wanted people to laugh so we had this very like sort of snobby stance on how many jokes there should be in every page and you know we were very like sort of trad sitcom in that way even though it didn't feel trad sitcom it, it was in terms of you know um joke output and all that you know yeah do you think comedies have gotten too serious or not <laughs> not enough laughs in, in i, I think comedy? some comedies are just not really comedies you know and, and and i think um they can still be great pieces of tv you know um but i feel like if you're a comedy you, sh- you should have a bunch of jokes in there you know but but I also really like the way um, TV has evolved. I like the way you can have a half hour drama, you know, when it that says it's a drama, and 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 I think I I love when you can have an hour of TV that that has a lot of humor in it. You know, I think those lines are blurred, and it's much more interesting. You know, I mean, yeah, completely. You know, yeah. I may destroy you and um, end of the fucking world, and all they were like half hour dramas are just exceptional, and. Um, you know, I mean, succession is an hour and it's, isn't it? Oh no. Yeah, 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 it is. Okay. And it, it can be an hour and a half. Like some, some of the episodes yeah. are so long and it's unbelievably funny um, at, at times. And I mean, I've just been watching Hacks and just like marveling at that. There's such brilliant, strong comedy performances. Yeah. You know, so funny, but so, yeah, so much, yeah, so much depth as well. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. I, I mean, I love watching TV that I, I know like, blood sweat and tears has gone into you know in in the detail and in the in the writing and um even if it's like a completely different sort of style to mine i really admire and, and appreciate it you know um i wanted to ask a little bit about uh working with carrie fisher on catastrophe was she someone that you really idolized you know um growing up because she's such an incredible uh, writer of of comedy and 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 as well oh yeah yeah we were rob and i were obsessed with her you know we were obsessed and um you know when we decided we were going to um approach her we didn't think for a second that she'd say yes and in fact even when she turned up to film the show we thought at some point she realized that she'd made a terrible mistake and uh <laughs> but but like over the course of three seasons it became clear you know that she loved doing it i mean and that she wanted to act more and that it was you know stupid Hollywood that was like getting in her way, you know, that like, I guess, you know, I mean, certainly she was, you know, one of the more sort of vocal females about, you know, the, the, the sort of system and, and, you know, how you can sort of be punished for, for not being the right kind of uh, woman. And, uh, and, you know, um, 
I love that we um, were able to show the world, you know, at that stage in her life. And I know the next Star Wars came along and she got to do it again and she was magnificent in that. But, you know, I love that she she got her teeth into Mia and that she um, also a kind of monster, you know, also a yeah. kind of like <laughs> villain who, who has, you know, um, depth and layers. And, uh, yeah, it was an absolute um, joy. I, I, I still, you know, think about her a lot. I think he might be more comfortable in a hotel. Well, probably. At least there I'd get clean sheets now and then. Right, don't be an asshole, Mom. Oh, she's not an asshole. She's a hemorrhoid on an asshole. You are a malevolent hemorrhoid of a woman. And, and you can take it down a few notches too, all right? Your parents have been here 25 times in the last three months, and any complaints I've had, which, by the way, Carol, have been barely any, I've delivered to you in private. I even nailed them to the church door. Where's, Mar- where's Marin? Where, where's Marin? She's upstairs. But even if she wasn't, I couldn't call out her name because I can't pronounce it. Oh, don't be ridiculous. Please, anyone, help me out here. Can anyone pronounce my baby's name? Where? Not you people, the other people. Marty. Marion. Myron. Well, that is... That's... Just keep the fucking front door shut. Yeah, were there things that you feel like you took from her um, in terms of how you wanted to handle your career? Yeah, actually, you know. She, um, she, she just, uh, you know, she was just very, um, vocal about what you, uh, how you balance your life, you know, and, and, and sort of told me not to do anything stupid, you know, like to, to keep, keep an eye on things. If I think it was maybe third season of catastrophe and it was doing quite well. And she was just like, you know, don't have your head turned family's the most important thing. And, uh, it's not like I didn't know that anyway. I did, but it's it was it's important to hear it, you know, and um and to be reminded of, you know, the things that make you really, truly happy. I mean, it's great when you have a successful show, but what's better is when you've got, you know, a happy family around you, you know. Yeah, I was rereading that beautiful essay that you wrote about your dinner that you had with her the night before she died. Um, and I had forgotten that uh, Salman Rushdie was there as well. Um, who has, you know, sadly been in the news, but what happened to him? Um, what are your memories? Uh, what are your memories of of him from that night? Because you didn't include that in the in the essay. It was I was absolutely um, overwhelmed with insecurity at going to dinner with him. I, um, you know, I, I, I certainly I felt completely out of my depth and intellectually, and uh, and was and was I'm so glad this didn't happen. But my my. Um, inferiority complex was going to make me back out of it. You know, it's like, I, I can't be there with two of the smartest um, people on the planet. And uh, in actual fact, it was just a gas, you know? I mean, it's like she said, I think I said it in the article. She's like, it's just going to talk about girls. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, that was, and that was accurate. It was very relaxed, you know? It was very just like two friends, two old friends shooting the breeze. And me, I was like watching the tennis match of of witticisms and um yeah very normal lovely dinner with two exceptional people yeah it's only been i think like three years since catastrophe went off the air but i i was curious if you ever think about uh revisiting these characters or you know seeing what they're up to down the line in the future yeah we used to talk about it a lot rob and i because um you know the thing is i think rob felt like he said everything he could say about having kids of that age in a in a, in a relationship 
you know, like that. And and I think he was probably right. And I also think it's not a bad idea to to quit while you're ahead. But we often need to talk about what those characters would be like with sort of older kids, you know, with teenage, you know. But but um, he said, you know, the dream would be that um, we'd be approached to do it, and we'd both be too busy. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, maybe that's maybe that's also my dream. Yeah, I mean, the show ends on such a, a hopeful note, really, um, considering all of the the dark stuff in it. Do you think about, uh, you know, where? where they are, um, you know, 20 years down the line, are they still together? I really Rob do. And Shane? I, have, I have little daydreams about it all the time. It's a bizarre thing. I think my hope for that show was, cause I loved it so much, like was that it would, people would, you know, remember it, that it would sort of stay with them. And, and the whole point of the ending was that people could sort of write their own, you know, um, and that way it sort of continues. Um, but yeah, for me, they sort of, um, for me, they stayed there, <laughs> you know, they stayed there and Sharon did her time and then, um, and then they eventually, um, come back to, uh, to England where <laughs> she can't believe what a fucking shithole this place has turned out to be. And, uh, <laughs> and there, there goes the cycle again, you know, it's hard anywhere at the moment, isn't it? You kind of, I've got so many US friends who kind of, want to escape but i've got so many uk friends who are like jesus it's just as much of a tour you're like don't escape to here i might listen it's ireland or new zealand or like maybe maybe portugal but yeah you, yeah. you make ireland look pretty great in, in bad sisters thank so. you yeah well that's it your, it's your first show set there right yeah yeah it is that i created yeah absolutely yeah um, yeah, that's very cool. Uh, you, we were talking at the beginning a little bit about how you thought that your next show after catastrophe would be kind of taking on the next phase of life. Um, and then you took a detour to, to make this show. What does that, um, what does that next show look like in your head? What is, what, what do you imagine it being? Well, it's not fully formed yet, but I, I am, I am in a sort of interesting situation and in not, I'm in my fifties now, you know, I'm, I'm, out of a long-term marriage and, you know, I have teenage kids and, you know, elderly parents. And, and I just think it's just feels so fertile. You know, I, uh, I'm interested in, 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 in people sort of starting again and what that means and the mistakes that you make at this age and the impact they have. And, you know, the frustration of having your choices limited, but the sort of panic that comes with having to, you know, not, die alone <laughs> so you know i i think there's there's um i i just feel there's there's like dark dark and good and funny potential there and you know i've i've, I've made a start and i have an outline but i've outlines for lots of things so it's kind of you know i it's 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 also it's timing you know that's it's um you know it, it's it's a timing thing i mean i i like the idea of doing more in this lovely thriller genre that i've come to so late and you know, I don't know. I don't know where to start. Yeah, it's it's interesting that you created and and wrote the show Divorce before you had direct experience with it. Well, yeah, I mean, it was based on my friend. It was based on my friend's, um, my close friend's um, experience, and a lot of the, a lot of the detail was was her detail that she gave me. I didn't steal it. Um, but then it's like Amy Gravett at HBO, um, said, you know, um, anyone who's been in a long-term marriage knows what it feels like to want a divorce, you know? So, so I felt like there was a lot of, um, territory in there that, that I felt 
very um, qualified to, to talk about. I want to have a conversation with you. I don't know. I mean, there's really, there's a lot of shit going on over here. Okay. I mean, as you can hear, well, then, heavy construction happening. Can you just tell me how to get back into the house? And that would be towards what end? Why are you being a complete fucking asshole about this? You'll find your purse out back in the garbage. There may or may not be a banana peel involved. Robert, Robert, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry I just called you a complete fucking asshole, but I just... Robert? Robert, hello? Hello? Fucking asshole. Do you feel like you would approach it any differently now, having had the experience yourself? Well, you know, the, the first season of Divorce was the one that I was, you know, m- most involved with. Um, I mean, the second season a little bit, not, not the third. And the first season was, you know, really about the mechanics of divorce and the industry of behind divorce and, and that. And that's, you know, for me, a, a lot of what the show was about, from these great um characters and and watching them sort of you know take each other apart but for me if I was to write about you know this stage of life now it it would be um it wouldn't be about the sort of divorce side of it it would be about what it means to be you know a person of this age kick-starting their life again it's um you know it would be more of a hopeful thing with a lot of pain because you need that you know you need to share all that but you've already examined the sort of the, the most painful parts of of what it what exactly. a divorce the beginnings I mean, that, of a divorce exactly that's the, the hellish bit. I feel like the leftovers are equally interesting and can be equally painful. But um, yeah, I'll just like percolate it for a while. Yeah, um, I've seen you say in interviews that you feel less ambitious than you used to. That you used to sort of want to be at the top of. Hollywood and and you don't feel that way anymore. And it reminded me of a scene from Motherland that I love. I think it's the first episode of the second season where Julia decides to turn down a promotion, um, you know, which is a very anti-ambitious move in some ways. Um, Can you talk a little bit about, uh, you know, that feeling and and as it relates to to what you were trying to say in that in Motherland? Well, I think it's... um... Yeah, I love that scene in Motherland. I think it's a, a massive myth that you can have it all. I mean, you can, but you're going to go absolutely crazy. And, you know, certainly now since, you know, divorce, I'm um, in a different situation where I can't just like swan off and leave my kids. So it's it sort of, uh, it means that choices are made and like I work a lot closer to home now. And, you know, I don't, there's no chance of me going, oh, that looks like a wonderful movie set in Australia. I'm sorry, you know, it doesn't, that's not, my life doesn't allow for that. And um, so, yeah, it's just about, it's about weighing up like the, um, you know, the, the difficulties of, of, um, of those choices, you know, and, and, and choosing life <laughs> instead, you know. You work so hard. I really admire how you can just switch off your family and focus on your job because this is, my personal thing. I would just hate myself too much. Yeah, I, I hate myself too much. No, but I have to. But I think I'd really hate myself. Mm. I just love my kids too much. Yeah, I 
love my kids too much too, but I... I die for my kids. Die for my kids. <laughs> if I had to, I'd no choice. Is that hard for you to choose life over work? No, because it's the bit that makes me the happiest. And, you know, I mean, I managed to somehow get it all done anyway. But, you know, I like to be with my kids. I like them. They're nice people. And uh, <laughs> one of them is just lying here in front of me. I'm going to ah! slap her bum. Um, <laughs> you know, um, I, don't, I don't like traveling. I was just talking about it earlier with Eve Hewson. You know, the great thing about Ireland is we were able to go back to our families and, you know, see our mums and dads and like have a cuddle. And, you know, normally you're in a hotel, completely anonymous, walking down a corridor every night and feeling like, what the hell am I doing? You know, so I'm not, I'm not saying I, I don't mind doing that occasionally. You know, I, I, when I did unbearable weight, I did those corridors, but Mallorca with, with Nicolas Cage wasn't so bad. Well, you know, Pedro Pascal was on the same uh, floor as me and he was a, a nice person to hang out with hilarious company. And, you know, so I, I'm just saying it's, uh, I think that, that, that bit with Julia was like, she saw what Meg had to do to, to cope to be this sort of woman who had everything, who really genuinely had this incredible relationship with her kids, who was very present, who is incredible, hugely successful career and sexually active marriage was like, she just blows the doors off her brain like way too often. And, and that's how she copes. And that's, yeah, not for me. I don't, I don't want to be medicating myself. I'm, know what I'm saying. Yeah. As we uh, wrap up here, I want to do our, our final segment is called The First Laugh. So I'm going to ask you about some firsts in your uh, in your career around comedy. Okay. Starting all the way back. Do you remember the first piece of comedy or one of the first that made you laugh really hard as a kid? Oh, I used to watch these sketch shows. Um, the, 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 it, was, it was either Les Dawson or Dick Emery, very sort of old school English comics probably dressing up as women. I'm really sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I was quite broad in my humor when I was a kid, but I remember cracking up at that. Like slightly older, it would have been Roseanne and the Simpsons, like the young ones and French and Saunders. They, they would have been my youthful sort of teen kind of laughs. Do you remember the first time that you knew you were funny, that you had the ability to make other people laugh? I mean, I kind of knew it pretty young because, you know, I'm from a big family. So it's how you kind of got your mum and dad's attention. Um, and in school, you know, I was uh, n not the smartest in the class. So I, that's how I sort of, you know, made myself stand out as well. So, yeah, quite young, early teens. I always like asking about audition stories. And I'm sure you've been on both sides of the audition table a lot. Do you have a audition story that stands out in your memory um it could be something that you were auditioning for or something that an audition that you were uh, holding oh well, i auditioned for um ricky gervais for um extras and um he brought me in for that and i knew the audition i was terrible at auditioning by the way my nerves just went absolutely off the charts i went in audition for that and it was like a part i should have been able to do standing on my head so i left absolutely you know devastated because i you know, my nerves get the better of me. And then my agent called me and he goes, you've got a recall. And I was like, what? Serious? He goes, yeah, he wants you to come back because he, he can't believe you are actually that bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he wants to give you another go. So yeah. And, and what happened the go. second time? Oh, oh, I tell you what happens. I got the part, but um, then it got cut out. Oh. Yeah. I was going to say, you weren't auditioning for the uh, the role that ended up going to your catastrophe uh, co-star. No, no, this was, this was, uh, this was second season. Yeah. Second oh, okay. Season. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so you you filmed it and it got cut out, or or they just decided not to do it? I filmed it and got cut out. That's too bad. <laughs> do you remember uh, the first time meeting one of your comedy heroes um, and what it was like to to meet someone who you really looked up to in the in the comedy world? Yes. Well, twice. Um, Jennifer Saunders. She came and did a show that Holly and Walsh and I wrote called Dead Boss. It's a pretty silly show, set in a women's prison, but she played the governor. And I mean, just seeing her dressed as our governor, saying our lines was just like insane. Because genuinely, French and Saunders was a huge, huge thing for me. And then secondly was um, Modern Love. I wrote and directed um, an episode of Modern Love and, and asked Tina Fey to do it. And she said yes. And <laughs> that was insane. Insane. I mean, I love her so much. Um, oh, and Amy Sedaris. In the, we, we did a US remake of Dead Boss. And um, she was uh, doing a part in that. And like myself and Holly are obsessed with her as well. I don't know. Carrie Fisher. There's quite a few. I've been a very lucky, lucky girl. Yeah. yeah, you've gotten to meet a lot of great people. Um, and finally, um, I like to ask my guests what's making them laugh right now. So what's something that you've seen recently uh, that really that made you laugh hard that you want to shout out or recommend? Oh, hacks. I mean, I know, I know it doesn't need my recommend because um, <laughs> everyone loves it. Um, but yeah, I really, um, really, really enjoyed that. I thought it was great. Yeah. What was it about that show that really connected with you? Just the neurosis. <laughs> neurosis <laughs> made me feel so anxious. The bad choices, you know, what it means to be a woman in, in the industry. I fucking love Las Vegas. I never, yeah, I mean, maybe it's been done in TV show before, but I haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, not quite like that. Not quite like that, right? Just, I don't know. Just has a lot of heart and soul in it, that show. Yeah. Um, well, I have loved everything that you've done, and I think this new show is is fantastic, and I think people are really going to enjoy it. Thank you so much. Congratulations, and it's uh, been great to talk with you. Yeah, it's been lovely to talk to you too. Thanks a million. All right. Good luck with everything. All right. Take care. Well, that was a really special one for me, so I want to thank Sharon Horgan again for being my guest on this week's show. The first two episodes of Bad Sisters are available to stream now on Apple TV+, Plus, with the remaining eight episodes dropping weekly after that. If you love Sharon's work as much as I do, I highly recommend you check it out. If you want to support The Last Laugh, please help us out by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We want as many people to hear this show as possible, and you can help by spreading the word and sharing it with your friends. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at thedailybeast.com. And if you're not already, please follow at Last Laugh Pod on Instagram, where you can see photos and videos from all of our episodes and see who is coming up next week on the show. The Last Laugh is distributed by Acast for The Daily Beast, with audio production by Jesse Cannon. Our theme music is by Claude, who you can find on Instagram at claude.mp3. You can find this show every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.